The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to the Pirate Radio Podcast, featuring special guests discussing a wide range of topics and personal stories. Now live from the Pirate Radio studio, here's Shirley Rhodes. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast, featuring interviews from ECU Baseball Media Day. On today's podcast, Clip Rock will highlight all of the interviews from various players and coaches, so sit back and relax. Today's Pirate Radio Podcast starts right now. Hello everyone, Clip Rock here inside the Pirate Radio radio studios with a special edition of the pirate radio podcast and ecu baseball media day edition media day was held earlier this week pirate radio was there covering uh, everything the pirate coaches and players had to say ahead of the 2022 ecu baseball season let's go ahead and get to those interviews now starting with the head baseball coach of the pirates cliff godwin here's what he had to say earlier this week first off i'd like to just say thanks for everybody showing up. Uh, wasn't always like this dating back eight years ago. And to Igo's comment, uh, I think it's the first time we've ever had snow on the ground when we've done baseball media day, so everybody can get a laugh out of that. Also would like to commend our guys that just spoke, our players. Uh, it's kind of a proud father moment for me to just sit back and listen to those guys articulate what their experiences are when you guys ask them questions. and. Especially Zach, <laughs> I'm sitting back there crying as you guys are asking him about his dad. And Nico was such a staple to Clark LeClaire Stadium and just was such a, a, a energy source for me. I mean, I'd walk out in the parking lot and you see a smile on his face and um, just that entire family. I mean, if it wasn't for the Agnos family with Jake and Zach and, you know, Lee and Nico entrusting us to take care of their kids, I mean, who knows how many regionals we would have been a part of. So I just appreciate that about Zach and his faith and the Greenville community helping him get through a very tough situation. And I still get emotional about it. I'm actually doing a pretty good job. I'll commend myself right now. I'm not getting choked up. I think I cried enough back there when Zach was talking. But just thank you guys for the support, and uh, we'll let you guys start asking some questions. When you look at that situation, Number one, by far, um, as I've told many people, obviously we knew Nico was really sick, and it was day-to-day. And uh, when I got that call from Lee about 12.45 on that Friday afternoon, it's one of those moments where I was emotional. I went to the coach's locker room. Zach was lifting weights. And I go, i got to pull this together because Lee and the family have got to tell Zach this, not me. And so I can remember Zach walking in the, the glass doors you guys entered through, which my office is kind of catacorner from that, and said, hey, Zach, your, your mom wants, to, wants you to call her. And he looked at me, and I said, I don't know anything. And, uh, of course, I was lying to him at the time, and, and after the fact I told him that's the only time I've ever lied to him. But, uh, you know, just it, there's no textbook. There's no, there's no uh, manual. You don't know what to do. And, um, throughout that situation, I just, uh, after he got the phone with his mom, of course, we were hugging and crying in my office. And I said, uh, hey, uh, go get your cell phone and stuff, and, and I'm putting you in my car. And, and I don't say this, like, to get reward for it, but that's all I knew what to do is to drive into northern Virginia. 
And so we stopped by his uh, house and got some clothes, and I drove to Northern Virginia. And the good Lord blessed us with no traffic. Uh, we got there in about four hours and 20 minutes, which probably was the quickest time that you could ever get there where he lives. There's normally a lot of traffic. And, of course, I saw Jake and Lee and John and Katie, and it was a very family-oriented or- deal at that time. And uh, I would, God gave me strength. I, did, I wasn't very emotional, and I just was there for about two and a half hours, and I didn't say it a whole lot. And I tell people all the time, you know, sometimes you just need to be there for people. You don't need to talk. You don't need to say anything. And, and I got back in my car, and I, I drove back to Greenville, and I got back about 1.32 a.m., and we took the team up there for on that Monday for the celebration of life. And, of course, uh, we were crammed on a bus because uh, now it's harder to get multiple buses because of COVID, and people aren't working as much. And so uh, one of our freshmen got COVID, and then a day later I got COVID, and then Colby Bortles got COVID, and COVID, it, it was hard on me, the after parts of it and plus the Nico situation but our guys did a really good job maneuvering through it <clears throat> coach how is uh how is Paul been getting back on the field with the guys after something like that and, and then you know having them back here for practice you know getting baseball you know getting into baseball together like I said, with everything going on, I thought our guys did a really good job. Our, our coaching staff did a, a tremendous job. Jeff and Austin and, and Blake and, um, you know, Coach Macias was here. Um, I think I said Coach Knight, uh, Womack, uh, Dennis Wilson, our strength coach, just keeping everything together. Uh, of course, I, w- I was here once I got out of uh, the protocols of staying uh, inside with COVID, but the our leaders on the team did a great job too. I mean, that, that's the thing. When you hear our guys speak, they 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 get it. You know, the the Matt Bridges and the Cam Colmores and the Tyler Smiths of the world have passed a lot on to those guys, and and they understand how to maneuver through some tough situations. Um, you know, the the winning and losing. I know that fans are going to judge me one day, but. Uh, this fall probably helped me realize, like, at the end of the day, no offense, uh, I don't care how many games I win. I, I got a bigger purpose on this planet than to just win baseball games. How impressed have you been in the last six months, year, two years, with the focus of these guys? I mean, 18 years old, 22 years old, doesn't really matter the focus to push through everything, whether that was, you know, issues with you know, family or, you know, COVID. They came out here. And when it comes time to work, they work. Yeah, I, I go back to last year, you know, when you're coming off a year where we couldn't play, no fans. And, and to be honest with you, I took it for granted in the moment. It's just, you know, it's taking it day by day and you're just going out there and uh, taking care of business. And opening day, I think we had to back up the game because of, of rain and it was really, really cold. We had to go to extra innings, and it's the first time I ever went into the parking lot, and I had ice on my windshield at about midnight. And I was like, man, it was I knew it was cold. I didn't know it was that cold. And for our guys to be able to win the conference playing four games in a weekend, like I don't think people really get what they had to go through. I know the coaches do um, because about halfway through the conference season, I was going like, man, this this sucks. This is not fun. It's a marathon, and it's taken me two days to recover after a weekend series. And, and for our guys to win the conference uh, pretty handedly, to be quite honest with you, uh, was really special. And then to host a regional with all the fans and Pirate Nation, uh, I get chill bumps talking about it because it was 
slammed. They can say there was only 5,000 or 5,500 people here. There was way more than that here. They were hanging over, you know, the, the outfield fence. And uh, we would not probably have won the Charlotte game for sure if we didn't have Pirate Nation behind us. Cliff, I know your thoughts on being ranked highly preseason, but what would you prefer in a perfect world? Do you like the fact that you guys are recognized early on, or do you like – preseason when you're not ranked and people overlook you, which is more motivating for you? Well, if you want me to be totally transparent, which I normally am, is I'd rather not be ranked because then they stay hungry. And I said this to Brian Bailey earlier, you look across college athletics and you pick the sport, football, basketball, baseball, there's more upsets, so to speak, than there's ever been. Why is that? Well, it's because of social media. It's because kids from 18 to 22-year-old cannot handle reading good stuff about themselves and still having an edge about them. And uh, that's why I am the way I am. Look, you, you can like Nick Saban, you can hate him, but it is rat poison. I mean, you look at Bill Belichick, you look at the most successful coaches in the country, and they talk about it being noise or rat poison, whatever it may be. So if I had to pick, I'd say, yeah, but, you know, I can look out there and say that we're talented. I mean, look, we got a really good team on paper, but guess what? Well, that'll get you nothing. Uh, we had a good team in 2017, and, and that's the experience I, I pass along to these guys. Jeff Palumbo, myself, and Womack, we're the only ones that are still here from the, the 17 year. Everybody else has moved on elsewhere. And that was the cool thing about Matt Bridges and Cam Colmore and Tyler Smith last year. They could give them experiences. Hey, guys, like if you don't handle your business, this is what's going to happen. Now, the older guys have heard of me say it so much, they probably can recite what I say. But it's real, man. It's real. And I'm happy now, looking back on it, that we had 17 because it gave me a time to reflect. And I tell people all the time that the best thing that has happened to ECU baseball since I've been here was us losing the conference tournament championship game in 17 because we would not have had 18. We would not have had 19. We would not have had 2021. And you look at the GPAs that we've had, we wouldn't have had those GPAs. We've been four and a half years with a 3.41 team GPA or higher. Man, that's pretty impressive. That's a credit to our guys, our coaching staff, Rebecca Wade, our academic advisor. Coach, you got a great schedule again this year. A lot of, a lot of tough opponents coming in, going places. Um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Jeff and I, we, we probably put together probably the toughest schedule that we've ever had. So, uh, That'll be uh, very challenging for us to be able to maneuver through. And look, if we play the way we are capable of playing, then it'll put us in a good position to be where we want to be in the postseason. But if we don't play well on any given day, it doesn't matter who you, you pick on that schedule, we can lose for sure. So it's it's a good opportunity for our guys to go out there and compete at the highest level. Coach, you've got a couple fifth-year COVID seniors on your roster. I was just curious, like pros and cons to, to dealing with like COVID seniors like that? Well, I think each individual is, is unique. Uh, you look at the fifth-year seniors, and, and I hope I get them all right. This whole COVID year thing has messed me up in my mind. But Bryson, of course, is a fifth-year senior. Cooch Manor is a fifth-year senior. Logish and Ben Newton are two junior college guys, but they're fifth-year seniors as well. Bryson Whirl and, and Jake Cooch Manor have a chance to be a part of four regional championships, which will be – uh, pretty cool, or three regional championship, three regional championships, but to be able to host four regionals, and uh, I told him that I just thought about that one day. I was like, man, I was on three really good teams here, and we would have hosted three regionals in a row, but you you got a chance to host four regionals. Malcolm, my fact check, 
checks right there. Okay. Just making sure you were nodding because I know you know. Uh, but that that's pretty cool. But it is. It's a fine line. Um, you know, when those guys come back as fifth years, I was a fifth-year senior, much different situation than those guys. I wasn't very good when early in my career, and I had to become good. So I was hungry um, to keep those guys motivated. The thing I would say about Bryson, he was one guy I was kind of worried about, but he has been really intentional in what he's done and has been a good positive influence on guys that have come into our program, especially the outfielders. And he's not a guy that likes to talk a lot, but he has shared a lot of really good experiences that he's had, good and bad, uh, with those guys, and it's helped our program. You mentioned the four games in three days being tough, but did you enjoy only having to scout one team a week as opposed to now you got to go back to scout for that Tuesday midweek game? Hell no. I'll take that Tuesday midweek all the time because that, that, that doubleheader day, and and I, I do take it pretty much personally one game at a time, and, and I look at the opposing pitchers. But if we were playing at home, I'd be up here at like 4.30 in the morning watching video, and then you're getting home at 11 o'clock at night, and then you're having to play on Saturday. I don't I don't wish that on anybody. So I'll take that Tuesday. I'll take Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, over the four games in three days. Coach, we asked, we asked the players about how playing in the regional, playing in the Super Regional last year helped them as they get ready for this year. How does it help you guys as coaches? Um, you know, every every regional, every super regional is different. Uh, I know that you can look at my super regional uh, head coaching record and say I suck as a coach. So uh, I, I know what the record is. As I told our team, and Malcolm can give you the accuracy, but uh, I was a part of the first regional or the first super regional team at East Carolina here when I was a player, and we went 0-2. And, uh, I made the last out in the Super Regional on a 1-0 count. I was a tying run at the plate. I had 15 home runs on the year. I, I remember that moment very vividly. Um, and I went for it. I was sitting on a changeup, got it, and I skied it to second base. I was a left-handed hitter. I just missed it. And uh, every Super Regional we've been a part of has been different. Uh, our guys were tired in 19, and, you know, we didn't play well enough in the regional to not to be tired. So that was our own fault, and Louisville was very good. Last year we went toe-to-toe with arguably the second-best team in the country with two of the best arms. The past two Super Regionals we faced four first-round arms. So as I've told our guys before, you got to go to Omaha through the front door. And coach, I got it from Coach Bianco at Ole Miss. You can't go in the back door. Everybody's got to know that you're coming. And, look, I, I don't know when it's going to be. This is the million-dollar question. Only the good Lord up top knows when it's going to happen. But I know we're doing things the right way, and if we continue to do that, then we're definitely not just going to go to the World Series. We're going to win a national championship as well. Coach, every year we ask you about who's going to replace the, the main guys <laughs> left or whatever. So, of course, we got to do it again. Uh, Norby, Francisco, obviously can have a lot of home runs there. Just who do you – First off, I say it all the time, is you, you don't replace Francisco, you don't replace Norby, you don't replace Gavin Williams, and you don't replace Colmore and Bridgie and Smitty. The, the collective unit needs to you know pick it up. And uh, we've got a bunch of guys, in my opinion, that can be very good offensively. Uh, we can run out a team that is very, like, as, as good as defensive team we've ever had here, or we can go really offensive. Um, makes our jobs as coaches a little bit harder. Um, we're as deep on the mound, if not deeper, and we're as talented on the mound, if not more talented than we've ever been here. Some of it is some youth, but 
at the end of the day, you know, we had a team meeting yesterday. Would you rather have experience or would you have, rather have very talented young arms down there that are better as a group than we've ever had? I don't know. You flip a coin. So at the end of the day, we just need those guys to be the best version of themselves. And if they're that, then we'll be fine. But, you know, do I think we're going to hit as many home runs as we hit last year? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think we've got a chance to have more guys that have five to eight, five to ten home runs, one through nine, than we've ever had before. I think we're faster as a team um, this year um, as a unit. So uh, we can be more versatile at stealing bases and, and uh, of course, executing our bunt game. You want me to go ahead and go around the starting lineup? Go go around while you're talking about it. So, uh, if we play tomorrow, and just to get it out there, if we play tomorrow, uh, I think we're deeper at catcher than we've ever been. But if we played tomorrow, Ben Newton would start behind the plate, and this is we hadn't even scrimmage yet. So, but Ben would start. Uh, A Mac would start at third. Ryder would start at short. Uh, Zach would play second. And part of that reason is Jacob Starling still trying to get through a leg injury that he had in uh, the summer. Uh, Joey Barini's a lot better um, on the infield, and he can bounce around shortstop, second base. Zach, of course, can play all three. Uh, first base would be Josh Mullen. Um, Josh has done a really good job of shaping up his body and becoming a better defender. Uh, also, C.J. Boyd can play first base. He's kind of a utility guy. Cam Clanch is a guy that can play first base or in the outfield. And then the outfield is, is crowded. Uh, Riley Johnson played really well in the fall. Um, Bryson played well. Bryson's going to be somewhere out there. Lane Hoover is going to be somewhere out there. And then you got Carter Cunningham, who has really upped his game defensively, swung the bat really well. So on any given day, you could see any of those guys um, out there. Ryan McChrystal, who is a catcher along with Aiden Edwards and Justin Wilcox, and I, I could see all those guys playing in some capacity as well. McChrystal has uh, shown us at times he can be an elite bat, so he can be in the DH role as well. You want another rotation too? You're waiting for that? Uh, so there's five guys that coming out of the fall that did a really good job. You know, Wiz and Hunt did not pitch, but obviously Wiz and Hunt's in that mix. Uh, Cooch is in that mix. Logish and Sailor, they were the two guys coming out of the fall for me that really made me feel more comfortable about our rotation. And then Josh Groves showed flashes. So opening weekend, we can only start three guys. And in our program, we talk about having Friday night guys in the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday role. So whenever your name's called to start, hey, be that Friday night guy. But two of those guys are probably in the bullpen opening weekend. So we'll just kind of see how all that stuff shakes out. Mayhew, of course, is going to be in the back end of the bullpen in some capacity. And Skylar Brooks has really come along. And the freshmen, and I'm not going to sit here and name all the freshmen, but the freshmen have done a really good job of continuing to develop on the mound. Coach Knight's done a great job with those guys. And like I said, they're talented. They just need to take it one pitch at a time and not try to do too much. That's ECU head coach Cliff Godwin. We also heard from his staff, including Jeff Palumbo, who has been here a long time, put his stamp on East Carolina baseball. Here's what Coach Palumbo had to say earlier this week. Coach, uh, Coach Godwin was just talking about it as far as you and Zach, kind of maybe the only original guys here that first came in with him. Just how have you maybe seen this thing evolve from, from day one to now as far as the culture, kind of the philosophy of ECU baseball since arrival? Yeah, I think um, 
a, a good bit. You know, it's interesting because obviously Coach and I coached together down at, at Central Florida. And, you know, it's one of those things when we we're both assistants together and you get, you know, he, he asked me to come come here to East Carolina with him and had, had been here as a, you know, played against East Carolina in the past, coached against them and obviously knew a little bit about the program, but not, you know, until you get in here and you see the passion of the fan base and, and you really live it daily. Um, you, you really don't know, you know, exactly what goes into it. But, you know, coming here with Coach, we just day one kind of set out to, hey, obviously a, a fantastic tradition, and how can we take it to the next level? And uh, I think at first we kind of had an idea of where we wanted to go with it, and, and Coach being a first-time head coach, even though we had that relationship from UCF, I still think now he's a head coach, now I'm an assistant, and there was a dynamic where – we started out, hey, just going out and, and trying to find the best possible players we could. As it evolved, I think it turned into how can we find players that fit our culture and what Coach Godwin really wanted to establish. And I think, yeah, I think you know, even even Coach would probably tell you that as we evolved and, and he evolved, has evolved as a head coach, that's that's become you know, he just kind of mentioned to you guys really really important in, in today's teams and today's players. So. As a recruiting coordinator, now my job was to figure out, hey, what players fit, you know, fit here every day with coach, with the culture that he wants to establish. And um, I think over time, obviously, we've communicated a ton about that and seen, you know, trial and error, right? I mean, you guys have seen players, you know, I think we do a really good job. Obviously, coach does a fantastic job of, um, you know, developing the players once they're here. And we don't have a lot of turnover compared to a lot of other programs. And I think, you know, we try to do to start that process early in the recruiting process to figure out who fits. So when they do get here, um, you know, they know what they're getting into. And we try to be very upfront with them in the recruiting process. Uh, obviously, you know that uh, Coach Godwin doesn't really uh, – he's pretty transparent usually. So he, they, they kind of – he's that way with the, the, the families as well. So they know, hey, listen, he tells every recruit that – Hey, you're going to work hard here. I'm going to push you to be great in the classroom, on the field, um, you know, in all areas of your life. And he tells them sometimes I cringe in the office, but he'll tell them, hey, if you don't want that, don't come here, you know. And so I'm, you know, kind of sit back there. And I'm like, all right, you know. But the reality is, when they do get here, they know they know what they're getting into, and and they know what we do here on a daily basis. And I think, um, you know, that's probably the biggest you know process that has evolved here o over time. And you know, with success, obviously, with with growth and, and and the support, you know, the the facilities growing, you know, all of those things have helped. But I think in terms of day to day in our program, I would say the development of the culture and just trying to. Really, we, we, we now, eight years into it together, know, know that uh, those personalities are going to fit here. So I think that's really helped us. Does building that culture maybe stem from maybe previous stops where you've seen opponents or even teams you've been on that didn't have that, that solid tradition kind of fall apart? Is that kind of a driver into wanting to build something like this? Yeah, I, I think that, I think really, um, you know today's today's players the the, the cultures that they kind of come up through is a lot different you know than when, when coach and i played and um it, it's become you know right or wrong the atmosphere that these players come up in in travel baseball and, and not to say that there's not really good travel baseball coaches and high school coaches but it, it really is a little bit more um you know of, of a me approach you know in, in the way they come up through the game and so 
you know, that, that really doesn't work at any high level of, of athletics, you know. And so when they get to us and all of a sudden they're not the best player, they're, they're having to look up to players that are three, four years older than them, and they're having to adjust and handle adversity. Um, if you don't help them with that process, and as Coach said, kind of coach their minds, um, you're going to have a lot of a lot of turnover and a lot of failure. So um, I, I think it's just the evolution of seeing these guys, what they come up up through. Obviously, our own experiences as a coaching staff, and um, again, some trial and error here. But really, I think it's uh, just the nature of if, if you look across the landscape of really any high level of athletics usually great cultures sustain success. And so I think when, when you look up and you really evaluate and, and you kind of analyze those things, in a lot of ways you want to emulate that. How much has COVID and technology changed recruiting over the last few years? It's completely a different animal than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah, I think, you know, thankfully, in some ways, it's kind of gone back to, to normal with, with, our, with baseball. You know, I can't speak for other sports, but in terms of COVID, uh, the, the data, obviously, from what we analyze, what we look at, you know, really in terms of player development, but also recruiting, right? You know, it's, it's like anything else. If there's more information that you can tap into to try to figure out, hey, listen, this, this player is going to have success at our level and it's going to translate into, you know, success, then, you know, it's just one more kind of check of the box, right? You know, and, and we really in, in recruiting, I try to keep it pretty simple. You know, I think this kind of starts with Coach Godwin and the culture that he wants. But really, I, I tell every recruit and every family we want three things. One, obviously, players that are talented enough to help us help us win a national championship. Um, you know, two, that, hey, listen, academically – um, you, you understand and, and you value your education. Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean every player is going to be a 4.0 that we recruit, but that you value it and you're going to want to be pushed. You know, and the third that you're a good person. And if we can get 35 guys in that locker room that have those three attributes, um, you know, and, and, and kind of live that daily, it's going to be pretty easy to be consistent. You know, and I think I, I tell recruits all the time the the thing that I think we're most proud of here is. No, we haven't gotten to Omaha, haven't won the national championship, but if you look across the last seven years that we've been here, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a whole lot of schools that have been more consistent than we have at, at this level. So, you know, we're very proud of that. I think it starts with our recruiting and um, carries over to it, but the data and, and all those things are um, just one, kind, one, one other area that we kind of analyze in the process. Do you tend to recruit more multi-sport athletes growing up versus some that only specialize in baseball? We definitely like that. And I, I think that stems from Coach Godwin, right? You know, his, his past, right? Playing three sports in high school. I played, you know, a couple sports in high school. So I think just probably our personal experiences lend itself to that's something that we, we value and, and the overall really, uh, again, um, with that, the more sports you play, the more uh, competitive environments that you're, you're a part of, usually those players, right, are just more competitive you know, naturally, you know, and they, they learn that, right, as, as they go. And again, in travel baseball now, it's a lot of show up and um, you're automatically, just by paying a fee, you're in the national championship when you show up. And, you know, back when, when our, our staff was, was playing, it was, right, whether it was American Legion or Babe Ruth, you had to win, you had to win your, your, your area and then you had to make the all-star team and then you had to win the states, and if you won that, you got to go the way to the regionals, and you won that, you got a chance to go to the World Series. But you had to earn it. Yeah, you had to earn your way and invest a lot of time into it. And um, you know, t today's uh, players in our world 
really they don't get that unless unless their high school team is a, a pretty good high school team and they get a chance to, to evolve through the state playoffs. So, you know, they don't experience that. And, and so I think the the, uh, the guys that play multiple sports, athletically they're putting their bodies in different situations and, and tend to develop quicker, but also they're developing that competitive nature, which we certainly value. With your work with the infielders, you know, when you look at Zach, maybe transition from third to second, and also AMAC working on his defense, how have those two guys kind of, yeah, I, th- I think um, that they're first of all they're awesome to work with. You know, uh, you know, and obviously all of our guys are. But you know, you look across our infield, we're pretty versatile this year. We play a lot of different positions, a lot of different guys, and a lot of different spaces. And the fact that Zach pitches and Ryder pitches, you know, we're probably going to use those guys, you know, in all of those spots. So. You know, Amac, he's come in and from day one, he's done a really nice job developing at third base. He actually played a little bit of second base in the fall, which I think ultimately will help him. You know, just having to learn, I don't know how much he'll play there this spring, but having to learn that position, it's just going to help him, you know, even when he's over at third base, kind of knowing what that guy's thinking over there, where I need to put this double play feed, things of that nature. But Zach's, all, I mean, he's, he's a very good athlete. He can play all three, and he, he really feels comfortable in all three it's it's you know really it's one of those things that zach is in in my opinion you know one of the best probably the best third base you know that third baseman that i've coached defensively so it's a pretty challenging position i'd say it's one of the harder positions probably on the field you, you know really defensively at the college level just with the the bats you know the ball's coming at you you know pretty firm and, and just his athleticism over there some of the plays he's he's made um you know i think the transition to seconds probably going to be pretty pretty easy for him just he's going to have some more time over there but he's really good with a double play turn that comes pretty naturally to him and um again just having the ability to play all, all three of those things gives us a ton of a ton of flexibility and on a coach just laid out you know the you know, starting lineup as of, of today. And I think, you know, you could put Zach at any of those three positions and feel very, very comfortable as a coach. That's Jeff Palumbo. He's been on this staff for a while. Austin Knight has been in the program, but has a new title this year. He is the pitching coach for the Pirates. And we heard from Coach Knight earlier this week at ECU Baseball Media Day. Coach, what's been the biggest adjustment for you? Obviously, you've worked with pitchers last year, going to more of the, the full-time, you're the pitching coach. What's, what's been that adjustment? You know, I I think it's actually simplified a lot just from the standpoint of uh, it's more of a singular focus now. Uh, In the past, could have been working with catchers and pitchers and hitters at times. And really, that's been every stop along the way for me individually is always really worked with as many position players and, and as much as I could. And now when I show up to work, I know that my job is I'm going to go and do everything I can to make these pitchers as, as good as they possibly can be and to make sure that they're prepared mentally, obviously physically. Um, so it's really, I think, made things more singular and uh, just clarified a, a little bit more. Yeah. Which of the uh, young guys have stood out to you so far this year? You know, really they've all – They've all developed pretty well. Uh, in the fall, it was Merritt Beaker and Jake Hunter had the best falls of, of freshman force. And really that was because they're throwing multiple pitches in the zone immediately. And they had the right mentality and, and did the things that we asked. Um, but with falls, there's always good and bad in falls. And I think that failure in the fall is as important as succeeding in the fall and learning how to handle that. And I think with a lot of these freshmen is they've, they've learned what they need to do to be ready to compete on a daily basis or on a weekly basis and really learned how to handle themselves on the mound. You know, at times 
those guys come here and they're trying to earn a position, they're trying to compete for a position, and they kind of make the moment bigger than it needs to be. And so I think with a lot of these freshmen and the, the mental side of what we do, they have learned how to be more in control of themselves when they're on the mound. And really going into the spring, you're just looking for a good transition period with those guys and understanding that it's not life or death out there. Just take what you've been doing early in the spring and apply it on the on the mound whenever we're in a competitive scenario with facing actual hitters. So, um, But I've been happy with really the, the development of them all. I think that they've made really big strides so far. How do you help a guy like Jake Huchmanner bounce back? I think it's just being positive and building his confidence back up. Um, you know, early, early in the fall, it was making sure he knew that we all believe in him and we know the type of pitcher that he can be. And we cleaned some things up mechanically, and he, he's made a jump. You know, he's made a jump as far as just pure stuff goes. And then with Cooch, he's, he's a very high achiever. You know, he's a guy that really expects a lot of himself. So just simplifying his approach a little bit and just knowing that his stuff is good enough to get any, any hitter in the country out. And I think he saw that at times this fall, but I think that you're going to see a, another jump in, come into the springtime just from the standpoint of he's just more mature. He's kind of re- recognized what gets him into a good place mentally to go out there and compete on a daily basis. Coach said he saw a little bit of uptick in velocity in the fall. I know that's never been his game, but mm-hmm. Yeah, so far this spring, when, whenever we have brought out the radar gun, it hasn't been a much yet. It's been the same. It's been the same. And, and the thing that I, I like seeing with him is just how well he's moving down the mound and staying athletic, but also still commanding, you know, three pitches in the strike zone. It's not like he's overthrowing or, you know, mechanically doing too much. It, it, it looks easy for him. If you watch him from the side, it's, it looks like he's playing catch, but he's just learning how to utilize his body. The thing about Cooch is he's always been one of the strongest guys on our pitching staff, you know, in, in the weight room. And I think just kind of breaking him down and figuring out, hey, man, like maybe you're, you're neglecting this or maybe we need to work harder on this was really important for him. And then it was just one day this fall. I remember we were working on it, and we had the Rapsodo, which is a technology deal that we won't get into too much. But um, we had that on there, and you saw an 88 on there, and I'm like, do that again. <laughs> Very simply, just do that again. And then he started learning, right? He started learning from there, like, my body moves this way, and I get more out of it whenever I do X, Y, and Z. And so, I, you know, he's, he held it the entire fall. And in the early spring, he's replicated that so far. So really happy with where he's at. We talk about the distractions of the rankings, but when you have a guy like Carson Mizanon that has pro aspirations and that's been written about, you know, quite a bit, how do you handle him going into the season? Yeah, the thing about Carson is he has matured so much. Even he's a, even a different guy today than he was at the beginning of the spring last year. And uh, it, it's just keeping him on track, man, just keeping the, the daily focus of, hey, this is what I've got to do today. This is what's going to make me great when it's all said and done. And it's not that easy, right? It's in front of their faces every every day. And it's making sure that he knows, man, like you have to just continue to work and put your head down and not buy into that stuff. And I've seen that just from the standpoint of, you know, he takes a lot of pride in his development at this point. Uh, this fall, we, we shut him down. We didn't even let him pitch, let him throw. And, you know, credit to our strength coach, Dennis Wilson. 
he put on 15 pounds of, of muscle and kept his range of motion, kept his flexibility, and you're seeing him, he just looks very explosive. And I think day by day, he's very focused on what he can do to continue to improve. It's not, hey, man, I've, I've made it because all this stuff is coming out, which as we, we all know, it doesn't mean anything right now. But he is very focused on his daily work and his bullpens. They're very intense right now. And the thing with Carson is more about him being able to handle it emotionally, which he's much more equipped to do now than he was probably a year ago. Um, But I've been very pleased with where he's at as well. How important is the next two, three weeks, even the first couple series of the year, and getting these guys built up so that they can do this 60 games this further than 60 games, which the guys are hoping that you can get to? It's huge. You know, it's really important to see these guys really stay on track with what they've done. And we've been building them up really since December from just an arm perspective. But it does add another element whenever you're facing hitters and the the stress level is a little bit up and the – the intensity of it is a little bit up. So you're really looking to see guys bounce back, you know, and that's the the value of Cam and Bridgie and those guys last year were that they were able to take the ball whenever we needed them to. And so seeing those guys kind of transition to those roles and those are things that we'll work on early in the in the spring and of course into the early parts of the of the season is just identifying who can pitch multiple times a weekend. Of course, the starters that can pitch deep into the games and different things like that. But I think it's important, of course, from the standpoint of knowing who we can go to consistently and know what we're going to get out of. But I think it's important for their confidence as well. As baseball has evolved, do you notice a difference in, you just mentioned going deep in the games. Have you noticed a difference at this level? Or are we still seeing those ace guys go seven, eight? I'm new here, so I don't know as far as this program. I think it just depends. You know, the thing that we're not going to do in this program is leave our best bullets in the bullpen just to ride somebody out and uh, see what we can get out of them. So it just depends on how effective they are deeper in the game, what their pitch count's at. Do we feel like we have a better matchup in the bullpen at certain certain places? Now, there's times, you know, you look at Gavin Williams in the Super Regional, he pitched into the eighth, and it was actually his longest outing of the season last year, um, but he was effective still. You know, he was still getting really good results. And so if that guy is still effective deep in the game, then sure, there's no reason to, to go to the bullpen. But you, you guys know it. You guys have obviously watched this play a lot. We're not going to leave somebody out there to dry and hope that he can get them out. We're going to go with the best educated decision and not leave our best bullets in the pen. With, with Nick Logish, he seems to be a guy that has made a big jump this offseason. What, what has led to that? Is it his command, uh, his mindset? What was it really like? It's, it's really everything. You know, he went off this summer and took a lot of pride in himself and developing himself first mentally. And he's a guy that's always been really wrapped up in pitching. It's always been very important to him. But uh, it, it always hasn't been like a high level of mentality, being able to handle the game per se. And I think the most important thing that he did was he self-evaluated and said he needed to get better in some areas. And he went out and, and figured it out this summer. And so really the best thing that I've done for Nick Logish is just let him be Nick Logish since he's been back and just let him just handle the game the way that he needs to handle it. And uh, you've seen it. He, he handles the game. He handles situations way better. He's way more calm and poised. He understands what it takes to make pitch-to-pitch adjustments. And in that, the command has gotten way better and with multiple pitches. And um, that's with Nick. It's just continuing to understand who he is and what it takes for him to get into that mindset.
There's Austin Knight. You also heard from Jeff Palumbo and Cliff Godwin. Let's hear from some Pirate players now, starting with East Carolina reliever C.J. Mayhew. C.J., how do you maybe compare this year to, to the last two? In your third year going here, you have a lot of experience. I mean, you know, you've taken on more of a leadership role at all in the Yeah, obviously, uh, I would say taking on a bigger leadership role, but that's from learning it from past guys that's been here. Say Bridgie, Cam, and Smitty taught me a lot about being a leader and taking what they told me and just applying it to this year's team. CJ, you've worked kind of all different innings and all different situations. What do you like doing the most? <laughs> I just like getting the ball going out there pitching. Um, I don't really worry too much about when or where I'm pitching. This is when they call my name, I'm ready to go. What's the key, I guess, staying ready, you know, potentially in time? We talk, well, we talk about a lot, so just staying locked into the game. I mean, you can veg out every once in a while, but staying locked in, knowing, like, what's going on and reading the hitters on their team, and that keeps me locked in. A lot of young catchers this year. Has uh, anybody really stood out to you? Yeah, uh, Ryan McChrystal stood out. Um, I think he's grown up a lot in the little time that we've been here. So. A lot of expectations. How do you block out? How do you block out all the noise, and et cetera, et cetera? Oh, yeah. Staying off social media as much as I can, really. Uh, just, you know, if you look on there, we always talk about it. If you believe it when it's good, you believe it when it's bad. So staying off of it as much as I can. It's supposed to be an exciting time to be a part of the program. Last night I saw closing in on the 2000 kind of feel that energy leading up to the season starting in less than a month? Oh yeah, the energy's building up, but uh, you know, we, we don't we don't try to look too far ahead. Uh, just take it day by day and, you know, try to get 1% better today. And then obviously when it comes, we'll be ready. CJ, we just talked to Carson about his hair. Like, who's the best hair on the <laughs> I'd say Zach Agnos. Good hair. You know, I don't. <laughs> I really don't know. We'll give him some duct tape. It keeps falling off. <laughs> yeah, we'll staple it. For you guys, I mean, it seems like y'all have fun. Y'all don't have fun, but also know the series. Coach Godwin's built a pretty good culture here. What can you say about that? Your third year in the program, kind of how how invested you guys are in this culture? Yeah, the guys, you know, especially being around the pitchers. Me, we, uh, you know, we we know when to. I guess you'd say have fun and when to lock in, but uh, we always talk about it flipping the switch. And you know, when we step in between the lines, it doesn't matter practice, game, we're locked in on everything we do. How is practice going so far? What's it been like getting back with the guys? Uh, it's amazing. Uh, just being out there with the guys every day, you know, can't take it for granted. Every day is a gift. So. This is a great year last year. How do you set? Yeah, uh, what we did last year is last year. So, you know, we're just focused on this year. Can't get satisfied with what we've done last year. It's uh, coming to the field every day, having that edge about you. You know, believing that you're the best, but preparing like you're the worst. Zach, 
going through what he did this offseason. How, how have you guys kind of rallied around him? You know, maybe been part of the second family here in Zebra. Yeah. Um, no, Zach, he's, he's my roommate, so we've, uh, we're always pretty close, but. Uh, you know, I think the team came together when that happened, and uh, you know we helped them through a tough time. At this point in the year, are there any like sort of benchmarks that you are looking to be at, just kind of personally, like you know, is it you know, control, you know, velocity, anything like that that you're just, you want to hit at this point here in January? I mean, obviously, just being the like the best pitcher I can, but it's more team goals for me. Um, I want to do whatever I can to help the team win. So. Uh, Zach. So. Did you say that because he's a roommate? Or- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know if I've ever struck him out, honestly. So. All right, that's Pirate reliever C.J. Mayhew. We also heard from the Pirate shortstop, one of the leaders on this team, Ryder Giles. Here's what Ryder Giles had to say earlier this week at ECU Baseball Media Day. Ryder, I know that uh, chemistry between guys between the second base and anybody on the left side of the infield is, is really important. So, is it like losing Connor and trying to move forward with your second baseman? Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's definitely tough. You know, you play with a guy for a year, and, uh, you know, Norbs and I lived together for two years, so we were obviously really close. But, I mean, I, I don't think that there's really anybody that you put out there that it's not going to be a great relationship with. So, um, I mean, I think that's one thing we do really good here is everybody's really close, and you can kind of fill a bunch of guys in, and you're really not going to miss a beat. So it's definitely weird not seeing him here, just being with him for three years. But at the end of the day, it's same game. So it's not that big a deal, but definitely is a little weird not seeing him every day. How's the offseason been for your preparation? Ready to go your month away? Less than yeah, absolutely. Definitely ready to go. Um, you know, we. We worked so hard in the fall, and you kind of get back from Christmas break, and it seems like, I mean, the season's here, but we, we still do have a month to go, and, um, you know, that's a month to get better each day, and uh, that's kind of what we look at it. Obviously, we're, we're all ready to go, but what's today, January 24th? I mean, we can't really do anything about February now, so um, we're definitely excited, but just trying to get better every day. Roger. Right, it's your fourth year in this program. You kind of look around and see the turnout media day. How does it support you guys? What's it like being a part of this program where, you know, maybe you guys travel other places, there aren't many people in the stands. It seems to be like a pretty special atmosphere. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's one of the, the main reasons you want to come here. Um, you do come here, and it does seem like a family atmosphere. You know, Greenville's a big college town. There's not really – it's not like Raleigh. There's a ton to do, so um, – you know, on a Tuesday night, on a midweek game, we have 4,000 people in the stands. Uh, you don't really find that in many places. So it's a, it's a great advantage for us. And it's, I mean, it's four years later. I, I, mean, I mean, you lose track of time. But four years later, like, it's, it's something that you don't want to take for granted because it doesn't happen everywhere, and it's really special. So, um, I mean, we definitely appreciate all the support from everybody. And, um, I mean, it's, it's one of the coolest feelings, to be honest with you. Um, I think pitching is a big thing. Um, you know, we got a lot of young guys. We've got a lot of young, talented guys. And, you know, obviously with 
Cooch and Logish and Sailor and all those older guys, Mayhew, all those all those guys. It's a nice blend um, for those younger guys to look up to, and um, I just I just think we're really close, and I think that's going to go a long ways with you know the young talent that obviously hasn't played here before. Um, but I, I think I think we're going to be pretty good. So um, I mean uh, I'm just ready to get going to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, you know, we bring the guys in in the summer um, before freshman fall. You know, I mean, you move to college and it's a lot at you at one point. So um, I think using that summer is is a is a good way to get the, the guys gelled. And um, you know, most of the time, a lot of older guys are stay back with them, and you kind of form that relationship with you know. 10, 15 older guys before everyone gets back, and it's like so much at you at one time. And uh, so I, I, I think when we got back from summer break, we got back for the fall semester, we just kind of jumped right into it, didn't miss a beat. It wasn't like it took a week or two to everybody get introduced to each other and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think the guys are jailed pretty good. Who are a couple of the younger guys that have caught your attention? Um, pitchers, position players, or just any? Whoever. Uh, pitchers, I would say Merritt Beaker. Um, you know, he's left-handed pitcher, low 90s. He's uh, obviously very talented, but he, he's not intimidated by anything. He just goes out and pitches. And um, so I, I think him, uh, Wyatt Shankman is another guy who's, who's really talented. Um, Trey Savage is not a fun at bad <laughs> against him. I mean, he's a big... Six foot five, six foot six, uh, low to mid nineties, righty with a good breaking ball, and um, Jake Hunter. He's he's another guy that's that's really impressed me. Um, not really the power stuff that Trey has, but gets a lot of outs, and it's. I mean, I, they're all really good to be honest with you. Um, uh, Jacob Jenkins Coward. He's a big first baseman, kind of like Merritt. Um, I would tell Jacob this, but. <laughs> I think he's uh, maybe uh, I don't know how to put this, but I mean he's not scared. That's, that's the big thing. He's not scared, and um, you know you go out and he's just doing his own thing, and he's attacking everything he does, and um, he's obviously very talented. So when you put talent with not backing down from anybody, you obviously got a great player, and that's that's who all those guys are. There is Ryder Giles, the defensive stalwart for East Carolina. Let's hear from who could be the Pirates' ace this 2022 season, Carson Wisenhunt, returning on the mound for ECU. And here's what Carson had to say earlier this week at ECU Baseball Media Day. Carson, uh, what's it like to be starting your third year here at ECU? And kind of the excitement of the season getting here, what's that like? you got to build a building. Um, I mean, the excitement's always there. Um, it's always the, the beginning of the year. You never know what to expect, but you always have the goals that you want to achieve. I mean, we talk about them all the time, but – for us, it's like the team aspect and kind of being there for one another. What did you learn last year? I mean, obviously, you had your first real year getting a lot of work with all the ups and downs, maybe going through some adversity and also really pitching at this level. Uh, the biggest thing was kind of talking with uh, Cam, Bridgie, Gav, and Smitty. Um, they taught me a lot, especially in the fall. Because, um, I mean, in Freshman year, I was a two-way coming out of that. I was pitching only in the fall. Me and Gavin kind of competed with each other, and I learned 
what it takes to, to pitch every weekend. And, I mean, it was a lot. Um, but kind of going off of that, you have to prepare yourself every every day to kind of go out there and compete. A lot of preseason bowls have you guys very high up in the rankings, but clearly trying not to pay attention to that, I'm sure. How do you block all that noise out when there's so much hype around the program this year? Uh, for me, it's I try to stay off of social media. Um, I try not to focus on it, just focus on my teammates and myself to prepare the way I need to and kind of do what I need to do every day to go out there and compete. Carson, any specifics in your game that you want to try to improve on this year that you're like, all right, I need to get better at this this year? Uh, for me, it's filling up the zone more. I'm um, just kind of attacking over the white and making my defense work. And if the hitters hit it, I mean, that's that's what part of the game. Um, just kind of keep improving on my mental side as well. What did you gain from playing with the um, the experience from that was I talked to all the coaches and then the catchers and stuff about what I was doing and kind of if they noticed any differences pitch to pitch and kind of what they were seeing from myself and what I could work on each day to kind of improve what they were noticing if there was any differences. So it's getting some you know, different perspectives. No doubt. Pitching coaches here in Austin High, but you worked with you guys last year. So kind of what's that transition been like? Uh, I feel like the transition's been good, um, especially with him helping last year. Um, he just kind of walked right in and kind of the only thing he really needed to learn was the new guys and kind of work with them. Like he knew all the older guys and what we had and kind of <clears throat> what we needed to work on as well. Um, so I feel like he kind of took his place and helped each guy with what he needed to. And he helped me a lot with the mental side and kind of shortening my arm path a little bit to make it easier for me whenever season starts. All right, there's Pirate pitcher Carson Wisenhunt and finally We'll hear from Zach Agnos, the East Carolina infielder, looking for a big 2022. Here's what Zach had to say earlier this week at ECU Baseball Media Day. Zach, third year here already. How quickly has this time I remember Coach Godwin sitting in my house on my house visit, and he's like, he's like it's, it's going to be the best time of your life, and he's like, it's going to fly by. And I was in high school, I was a young kid, I was like, yeah. Didn't think much of it, and then my freshman season got cut, and then last year was the first full year, and now I'm on my third year, and it's crazy to think about. I, I had a talk with my mom before I left for school, and she said the same thing, and she started getting pretty emotional about it because I'm the baby of the family, so it's crazy to me. It's flown by, that's for sure. Uh, for me, this year has just been focusing on my teammates, uh, being a good leader, being there for everybody because they've been there for me and they've been there for each other. And I think that um, me and Coach Gowan have had some talks about it. And when I'm worried about other people and trying to be a good leader, then that's when I'm at my best. And that's when we get the most production out of our team. So that's the one thing that I've really tried to strive to do. Yeah, so all fall is at shortstop. Um, you know, I love it. I feel comfortable anywhere in the infield. Coach Galvin knows that. We've had a lot of talks. Um, we got some working at second base recently. You know, whatever. Say someone goes down, God willing, nobody does, but someone, something happens to someone. Um, yeah, I can bounce around. I can play anywhere in the infield, so feel comfortable with it. 
your ability last year to work counts, draw walks, is that something you kind of take pride in, think about, or does it just kind of happen when you're in the box? Just kind of happens. Uh, you know, we got our approach. We got pretty in-depth approach with the pitcher we're going to face. We know pretty much, man, pretty much what's coming every pitch and where they're going to try to do, where they're going to try to attack me. I know that they were always going to try to attack me with fastballs away. Um, so, I mean, I really do take pride in it and something we work on a lot in the cages. We have the V-Flex to work on tunneling and um, in BP if we take a pitch and it's like our last pitch, we get out of the cage because Coach Godwin always says taking balls is more, as important as swinging at strikes. So, something we take pride in. How much does playing in those big games at the end of last year help you guys as you get into it this year? Uh, a ton because, you know, I know we're going to be in those situations again, and a lot of us are returning, so we're going to have that experience. And, you know, it kind of gives us an edge. I was uh, One of the freshmen actually was over at my house last night watching a football game, and I was just talking about how fun the regional was because I was scrolling through. I found myself on the baseball Twitter that we got back, and it was a regional game, and I said, dude, it's the most fun. And it kind of gives us something that, like, we need to play well because we want to host a super regional here, not just a regional. So. This offseason, season, I know it's a tough time. How was this baseball family rally? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm speechless. Um, you know, everybody talks about how great the fans are, how great everybody is, and how it's a family atmosphere. And I mean, that that truly has been 100% accurate this offseason. Uh, they've been great to me, not even just me. They've been great to Jake, and Jake's dealt with some adversity with his arm, and. Um, but they've been really great to my mom and my sister and my other brother, John, who, um, you know, who have been there for me. And, you know, I've had people reach out 24-7. Um, you know, Coach Gowan's taking great care of me. I mean, he gets annoyed with me when I say it because every time I'm in his office, he I always tell him, like, how much of a blessing he is to me and my family for what he's done. And, um, you know, coming to the field, you know, having my teammates there for me, it's uh, – it's something that's really special, and I don't think many places offer it. Um, and you know, I just have, like, like I said, I have great people taking care of me. Um, you can't really say enough about Pirate Nation and what they've done for me and my family. Has it been tough at all to compartmentalize baseball versus everything else going on, or does getting on the field going to help you get away from it? Yeah, it does, and it, it definitely helps. And I will say, one of the hardest things I've done is uh, when we scrimmage Liberty. Um, you know, I was in the before every game. I always used to try to find my parents, and I knew my mom was always right above the third base dugout with the families where the bleachers. And I always knew my dad was in right field, except for last year because of COVID. He sat up in the bleachers, but when he got to move back out there, he was out in right field for the regional. And I always look over there after the infield meeting, and I remember looking up at my mom and. She had her sunglasses on, and I could tell she was upset just by her body language. And then I looked out to right field and didn't see him and came in the locker room, and I lost it. I was sitting in there. And, you know, I know Turner talked about the banquet a couple years ago, but Phil, our janitor, gave Turner a big hug. And, man, he gave me one of the biggest hugs I've ever received. And he said that he's watching, just smiling. And it was one of the coolest moments of my life. And then, go in the bathroom and I'm crying and then I walk back out and Cooch Manor's sitting right there waiting for me and he gave me a big hug so it's definitely tough definitely tough but you know I told Coach Godwin it's uh 
we're at the field quite a bit and we're doing a lot. So uh, I said it makes me look forward to it a lot more because I get to spend time with my teammates and distracts me a little bit. Yeah, for sure, because it, it builds that trust. Um, you know, we always talk about it. You know, I can rely on every guy in that locker room. Uh, I know, I hope, I know a lot of them can rely on me. And you know, once we're once we're tired after that sixty game, and we're going into the conference tournament or going into regional, and you know, I can trust that Ryder Giles, if he's not feeling good, he's still gonna be able to go out and give his best, even though his body doesn't feel good. So. Zach, the, uh, we, we talked to Carson and CJ, and they have awesome hair, but they have given the best hair title on the team to you. Really? How honored are you by that? <laughs> you know, that's incredible. <laughs> I was, I'm roommates with CJ, so we always go back and forth, and his girlfriend will be over. We'll joke about it sometimes. I never heard that out of him, so I'm going to have to hold him to it. But, no, nah, I mean, they both got really good. They both have really good hair. Carson's a little crazy. CJ's is a little more under control. And I forgot. I forgot where CJ told me he got his inspiration for his hair, but he got it from somewhere. But I think I'm going to stop doing the mull, and I'm just going to let it grow out and give it its true potential. <laughs> All right, there is Zach Agnos. You also heard from Carson Wisenhunt, Ryder Giles, CJ Mayhew, Austin Knight, Jeff Palumbo, and Cliff Godwin as part of our ECU Baseball Media Day edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, and we'll talk to you next time on the Pirate Radio Podcast. And that was another great episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast. And we'll be back very soon with another edition. In the meantime, you can subscribe to our podcast in your Apple Store. You can also visit our website at PR927FM.com and to follow us on social media at PR927FM to keep up with the latest news and information. Until next time, have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.